welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Well, good evening. Praise God. Yeah. What a sweet time of worship. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't he absolutely wonderful? He thrills our heart. Who can thrill the heart like Jesus? Just a little bit of background um, to these few thoughts in the Word of God tonight. Uh, it was from a, from a conversation actually a few weeks ago that my wife Sandra had with Anne Cassidy, Pastor Nick's mom. So Anne was saying to Sandra that she was asking about a particular situation of need in our lives and saying she'd been praying for us. And in prayer that she felt that the Lord was showing her that he wanted to take us on a journey. And I had, I had two reactions to that. And if you're listening tonight, don't take me wrong here. Firstly, I was so touched and grateful that someone would actually be praying for you. Someone who's not an immediate family member who you kind of expect to pray for you. But, you know... Such a blessing in the body of Christ, isn't there, when people have, you have no blood relationship with or actually take, take a situation and pray for it. It's a wonderful, it's, it's so uplifting. But my second reaction was, I wasn't too thrilled with uh, what the Lord had showed her. I was, my, my thought was, Lord, I don't particularly want a journey. I want a result. I want an answer. But I thought about it, and I let it, like Mary, let these things sink down into your heart. And over the coming weeks, um, I came to the conclusion, okay, Lord, this is how you do things. You bring us on a journey. You bring us on a journey. And the thought that came to me is, well, it's a journey of faith. That's the journey. And when the Lord wants to do something in our lives, and we just, want, we just want something sorted out, but he says, no, I want to bring you on a journey. So I want to look in Mark chapter 5 tonight, if you could turn with me, please, at two people who both were taken on a journey of faith by the Lord Jesus, a journey that went beyond what they were comfortable with, but brought them into a place far beyond than they had even wished for. So Mark chapter 5, and we'll take from verse 21. Very well-known pair of miracles in the life of Jesus. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. And the other accounts say that he, she touched the fringe of his garment. 
For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Amen. Lord, we just ask you now, Holy Spirit, that you will come, that you will breathe on the reading of your precious word, that you will give liberty and anointing, Holy Spirit, that you will give ability to break the bread of life and give us ears to hear and receive it, that nothing that is said will be, Lord, out, out of sync with you, but that it will be in the very current of what you want to do in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Two overlapping miracles here. Two completely different people, personalities, backgrounds. One, a prominent leader of the synagogue, Jairus by name, a well-known man, probably had lived a fairly happy life up to this point. He had a daughter he loved, 12 years old. He was successful. The second person is, well, we don't know who she is. She's no name. We don't know anything about her life, except we know she's had a miserable 12 years of constant, constant bleeding, of going again and again to all the different medical doctors and quacks and no doubt every type of help she thought she might get, and she only grew worse, burning all her money. Probably, we can speculate, left single, possibly unable you know, she, ritually unclean, unable to participate in much of, of, of the life of, of the temple. Two completely different levels of need. One, just ongoing, chronic. The other, immediate and terrible. Crisis. But the great intersection point, the crossroads of it all, is Jesus. And need is the one thing for each one of us, that drives us to Jesus, isn't it? No matter what the need, whether the need is ongoing for years, whether the need is immediate, and that's us tonight. We're all different backgrounds, different personalities, different 
different strata of society, different nationality, different crises, different calm lives. But at the end of the day, we all, from the least to the greatest, find ourselves at some point or on an ongoing basis needing him. And this is the crossroads of these two lives, these two journeys, if you like. And Jesus is going to do something wonderful in both of these lives. Yes, he will meet their need, but he'll do far more than that. He'll take them out of their comfort zone into an entirely new place in their lives. And that's what he wants to do with each one of us. Yes, he wants to meet our need, but he wants to do far more than that. Far more. So I'm going to take this in two parts. Firstly, I want to speak about, as I say, the journey of faith, but it's firstly I want to talk about the boldness of faith, and we'll address that with the woman. And then I want to speak about the trial of faith, two aspects of this wonderful and difficult and uncomfortable journey of faith. So let's consider the woman. And it's very interesting to understand, well, where does faith come from? Because it doesn't come from unbelief. It doesn't start there. It doesn't start in us and somehow we pull ourselves up out of unbelief. No. Faith, the Word of God tells us, it comes through hearing. Hearing the Word of God. And this was the thing that this woman, it lifted her out of her ongoing despairing attempts. Something came into her life. She heard the reports about Jesus. And brothers and sisters, if we want to find ourselves faith rising in our hearts, the place to go is to hear the Word of God, to read the Word of God, to listen to the Word of God, to listen to the reports about Jesus. That's the only place that faith is born. It's not born in the natural man or woman. Faith comes through hearing. And I think there's another wonderful understanding here of the environment of faith. And if we look at this crowd, and it's interesting, it doesn't say it in this account in Mark, but it says it in, in the account in Luke, that this crowd were eagerly awaiting the Lord Jesus. It says they were waiting for him, and they welcomed him. Now, by contrast, the Lord has just come from the other side of the sea. He's come from the Gadarenes and the miracle with the demoniac man. And the word of God tells us that they kicked him out. They wanted rid of him. So they were pushing him away. But this crowd, they welcome him. It's, it's like as if this crowd is one great embrace around Lord Jesus as they press around him. I used to see, I used to read into this somehow that the woman had to push and shove her way through obstacles to get to Jesus. But reading this again, I see, you know what? No, this crowd, they were longing. They were longing for him. They received him. And in that environment, there's an opportunity for faith. In the environment where Jesus is lifted up, is welcomed, is worshipped, is received in that environment, there is a wonderful opportunity for faith to spring forth and lay hold upon the Savior. And that's why I think it's lovely. I was thinking about this and thinking, you know, it's so right 
that sometimes when there's a time of worship here, we call, the pastors call forth, if you have a need, come for prayer. And I, I encourage you, respond in such a time. When that crowd is wrapped around Jesus like a great big group hug, that's the time to come up behind him and touch him. It's, that's the environment of faith. That's the environment of faith. So something wonderful takes place inside this woman. Something supernatural. Now think of her. She's 12 years into this business. She's burned through every saving she's had. She's gone through the golden pages, if they had them, of every gynecologist and every acupuncturist and every alternative that she could find. And nothing is working. She might have even tried being a better person. Maybe she thought there's some kind of a fate issue. And maybe you're in a situation that has been going on for years and you've tried everything. You've tried everything. You've even tried Christian methods and lists, how-to guides. This was a woman that should be absolutely cynical about any new, new guy in town, new method, new approach. And you know, so often we can end up, in, in, even as a Christian, with cynicism in our heart. But faith is not just some new thing. Faith is something wonderful and supernatural that can burn and grow inside in us in hearing the word of God and responding to who Jesus is. And something happens inside of her and she draws an internal conclusion. Whatever's gone on these past 12 years, whatever I've been through, whatever failure and despair I might feel, I know that if I touch him, I will be made well. I know it. How could this happen? How could she know this? Oh, it's supernatural. And there's, there's a detail here that I want to touch on in her response. Again, I suppose in, in reading this before, I would have seen her kind of lunging through the crowd and maybe just about yeah, just touching it, the, the edge of his, his cloak, his garment. But when you read the word that's used for she touched, and then Jesus says, who touched my garment? The word is haptomai or something like that. I'm not very good on the, the Greek. But it means, the meaning of it is to fasten oneself to, to adhere to, to cling to. It's described as an impact touch. And it even has connotations of, of an intimacy. So and I think this is wonderful. Faith is not a desperate lunge at God. It's not just, oh, if I could only just reach God. It's not that. No, 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 no. Faith is not some despairing grasp. Maybe you'll hear me this time. No, 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 no. Faith is a fastening oneself to the Word of God, to Christ it's a grip. She didn't just make a lunge. She reached in and she gripped his garment. The word of God says, come with boldness. Go right in. Don't hold back. If the, word, if the Lord speaks to you and gives you a promise, gives you a, speaks in your heart something about the Lord Jesus, don't be mealy-mouthed about it. Go right in and stand on the ground in full assurance of faith. 
go in. We can, timidity, we can hold back. We can be, oh, maybe not me. No, 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 no. The ground of faith. If the Lord does something in your heart, respond with boldness. Believe his promise to you. And again, as I say, there's a detail in the garment that I think is wonderful. It speaks to something of the, of the work of the Lord Jesus. The, what she said, if I, if I could just touch the fringe or the hem of his garment, other, other translations say the tassel of his garment. So what, what was this? And there's a wonderful detail in this because back in the old covenant, the Lord spoke to his people. And in Numbers 15, it says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the children of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and to remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you're inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So he said, on the corners, the four corners of your garment, you're to put these little tassels. You might see them still in some prayer shawls of Jewish people. They have these white and blue tassels. They'd be hanging out through their, through their garments. But they had to put on their garment these tassels in each corner. So you can imagine this all through the generations as they walked around, these four tassels swinging as they walked. And this is what she clung on to. It wasn't just a random piece of the garment. And as they look down, they see a reminder of that old covenant. Remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart. And as they look down, as they walk all through those generations, oh, the commandments. Failure. 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 Swinging past them. Failure. Failure. I try better tomorrow. Failure. That's what those commandments, it, they, those tassels did for them. It just condemned, if they were honest about it. That covenant could not save them. But the wonderful type in here, woven into that tassel, the Lord said to them, put a cord of blue a single thread of blue. Now what's, you say, say, well, what's blue? Well, there's one blue thing when you look up, God has painted the sky blue for us. And I believe that's the Lord saying, well, that's not the end of it. You look up. There's one coming. The redemption is coming. From your failure. Jesus is that thread of blue running right through the fabric of the Old Testament. And now he's here. He's here in Israel. And those tassels are on his garment. And you know that garment, it fits him perfectly. It sits perfectly on him. It was made for him, just like the father made Joseph that perfect garment. It was made for his son because he did everything right. He did everything that pleased his father. And it sits and he sees no failure. He sees no failure. I do always my Father's will. And not just that, but that garment, not just that he's done no, nothing wrong, but what she, I believe that woman, is something, she probably didn't articulate or understand it, but the Spirit of God is pointing out something for us about the Lord Jesus. 
that that garment will not just remain as it is perfect on him, but it will be a garment that will be covered and marked in blood. We read on Calvary, when they had finished whipping him and putting the crown of thorns on him, it says they put his own robe back on him. Now, anyone who was here at Easter and saw with us the devastation that was on the body of Jesus, even in that recreating in the passion of the Christ, when they would have taken that garment off him again to crucify him, it was a garment stained in blood. And it says the soldiers ripped it in four, down along the seams, tassel at the bottom of each seam. And they each had that segment of fabric stained in the blood of the Lamb for our failure, for our disobedience. There's a wonderful verse in Revelation that speaks about the Son of God. It says, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he's a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, that's us, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Oh, this wonderful new covenant, this great salvation. How can faith make such a bold equation? How can we be bold at all? Because of the covenant. He is the fulfillment. The covenant, it's not with him, as we've heard. It's not with us at all. It's with him. But our job is not just to admire this new covenant. It's to get in close and grab hold of it. Grab it for ourselves. And if you've enjoyed and heard the message of the new covenant, let's get in and lay hold of it. Because he has been made everything for us. Oh, he's done it all. He wears the garment. (laughs) He wears the crown and he wears the garment. And it's a garment dipped in blood. Just like Joseph's robe, they ripped it and they dipped it in blood to cover up for their failure. But he covers for all our failure. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Wonderful Jesus, isn't he? Just finishing out this, this woman... Her journey, she's ready to go home. She's, she's gone. She's obviously a quiet woman, a shy woman, doesn't want any exposure. But the Lord's journey with her is not done. And he stops. <laughs> and he turns around and he says, who touched me? Because he wants to bring her out of her comfort zone. She wants, he wants her to be brought to a place of testimony. And you know, I think sometimes we dodge away from this aspect of the Lord in our lives, the journey he wants to bring us. He may want at times in certain circumstances in our lives to do something that he can have us testify so that others can be benefited. And we draw back from it. Like this woman, she came fear and trembling. She was shaking literally. But the Lord draws her out so that she can be a help to others. Let the Lord draw you out, whatever he wants you to do, whoever he wants you to help 
and speak to when he does something in your life. Don't just keep it to yourself. Let the Lord draw you out. He, he, it's a journey of faith, not just for yourself, but for others. And in so doing, she comes face to face with her wonderful Savior. He draws her into a conversation. He speaks now directly to her. And I believe as we step forth in faith to testify of the Lord, we come into a new relationship with him. We come into that face to face, not just me coming and getting my need and going away again, but all coming into a a, a face to face, a one-on-one. Hallelujah. Oh, this journey is wonderful. It's uncomfortable. But what he wants to do in our lives is far more than we could ever think or anticipate. Just briefly then to finish up, we'll think about Jairus and the trial of faith. And thank God there is this aspect in this story. Because, you know, so often we fall on the journey. And poor Jairus, what distress he's in. Oh, what distress. He had to go. It's so awful back there in his house. He has to leave. He has to turn and leave. Leave his wife. Leave his sick child. And he has to go to Jesus. He has to find a way to Jesus. And he has to cast himself down on the ground. Humble himself. Just down where the lepers go and the demoniacs and the needy. He's got to join them. And you know, we can't come to the Lord with any resentments or chip on our shoulder. We can't, we can't. Well, if we, we can, but he'll, he'll have to deal with it. We must come and bow, even in our deep and desperate need. We cannot come with an accusation. We cannot come with a, Lord, this is not fair, or this is... And, and I say that knowing that there are people in terrible situations. In t- situations, I don't know how I would respond to them. But we must bow before the Son of God. Go down on our face before him. Like this man, this leader of the synagogue, this prominent individual, bowing himself down. And this poor man, he had to wait. Can you imagine when this whole cavalcade stopped with the woman? He must have been absolutely freaking out. What's this delay? Would Jesus not come? He had to be patient. He had to wait on others. Jesus meeting everyone but me. Isn't that so familiar? Lord, you're meeting there and there and Would you kind of move on to me? (laughs) Mine is more distressing. It's more urgent, surely. Do you not understand, Lord? And then the awful moment. The awful moment when they come from his house. The delegation comes. They don't bother the master anymore. Don't bother him. She's dead. Could any of us stand in such, such a response? Would anyone's faith just stand in that moment? I think we'd all just collapse. We'd all, like Peter, down under the wave. And I love this. I love this because it tells me and it encourages me that Jesus had to step in he says, Jesus overheard them, and he, it's as if he reaches out and grabs this man's shoulder and says, do not fear, only believe. So Jesus had to step in, because you know what? Faith is never ours to begin with. We're not clinging on desperately. He, he just, the 
poor man, he crumpled. And Jesus had to step in. And you know, this is wonderful because so often I need him to step in when my faith just, well, it's not even my faith, but when I just collapse. And we fail, and we fade like Peter, but he steps down and lifts us up. Do not fear, only believe. So it's as if the Lord Jesus injects faith back into him. It's wonderful. It's all of him. It's all of him. Nothing from ourselves. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Nothing in ourselves. Our collapse will be total at times. But he steps in because underneath are always the everlasting arms. Hallelujah. It was never our faith to begin with. So the Lord goes with him, goes to his house. In through the, through the myriad of voices, the worldly wisdom of all the well-meaning sympathizers. How often we get that, don't we all? It's terrible, I know, it's awful. But you're going through and, yeah. But mention faith, mention the Lord. And the empathy and sympathy <laughs> turns to mockery so quickly. There's one answer, put them out. Put out all the other voices. As Pastor Nick was encouraging us at the weekend, we do not need one shoelace of the world's thinking, of our own ideas, of the ideas of others. Not one. Close the door on them. Just Jesus and those few who will believe with us and encourage us, Peter, James, and John. Close the door. Here's poor Jairus now, his journey. He did not want to end up in a death chamber, but he's here. But in this terrible death chamber, his wife, grey and ashen, his daughter, cold in the bed, going cold. But Jesus is there. And that's all that matters. Jesus is there. And he's now right in the intimacy of his home. Just Jesus and a few others. And there's something so tender and loving in what the Lord does in this situation. He takes the little girl, and we have recorded exactly what he said to her, Talitha Kumi. It's wonderful that they recorded the words. And this word, Talitha, it has in the original meaning a kind of a, an affectionate term the parents would have used for little girls. And it has a, a meaning of my little lamb. So there's a tenderness and a love manifested in this intimate setting. And he brings her up and he says, parents are all excited. He says, give her something to eat. He's caring for her, his little lamb. She's starving, probably she's been not eating for days. I love the tender care. And you know, there can be some things, this is not just some passing miracle worker. And this is not our salvation. It's our salvation, even with its supernatural element, elements, it's not some, Jesus isn't just some Jimmel fix-it, cosmic Jimmel fix-it for us. No, 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 no. And there can be something so, I think, cold and callous about many of these so-called faith healers with their lines of people and their 
zapping and they're just... No, Jesus is interested in you and me and our families and our lives. And he wants to come into the very heart of our home. That's the journey he wants. He doesn't want to be outside the door and we go to the Jesus shop and get our miracle and go home again. No, no, no. He wants to come right in to your sitting room, to the place where you are and be at home with you and care for you. And he can bring you through some tough stuff to get to that point. It's an uncomfortable journey of faith. But this was the love of Jesus. The love that we misunderstand because of the delay and the slowness of the journey and all the circumstances that go wrong and all that went upside down. But here at the end we have a manifestation of the love of Jesus filling this home. And this time it's just for them. It's just for them. They're not to go out and broadcast it. It's just to envelop this little family in the love of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In this journey, we want Jesus to do something for us, and he does. But he also wants to do something in us beyond what we ask or think. Faith does not just bring about a transaction. It draws us on a journey into relationship. Bless God. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.